Radio Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're live from the Boss Hawk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective because we want to make you guys among the smartest people in the room when we're talking about or other people are talking about today's news and issues. But, hey, you're going to have that little edge because you're hearing it from the Leo perspective. Um, hey, we got Mike Matranga, you know, on the show. So Mike is back. So m6globaldefense.com is the site if you want more information on him and what he does. Uh, so, yeah, good good guy. Also uh, retired uh, Secret Service. So thanks for being on the show, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, also, shout out to our sponsors, MotionDSPAUFire.com, GolfsGunLearn.com, and Medicare.Live. And we're fueled by Monster and by Bang. What am I drinking of the day? It's the Black Cherry Vanilla. It is the Bang in the New Can. Guys, this tastes, and I hate to say it, I hope I hope they don't mind, but it tastes just like a Diet Dr. Pepper. Remember how great that flavor was from the Diet Dr. Pepper? I swear, it, it tastes exactly like that, except it's just like a ton more healthier than the uh, than the soda. So so thanks to uh, Bang & Monster for making it happen. A shout-out to Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com for carrying our content, and Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia.com. You know, we're streaming the eight locations right now. Uh, three of those Facebook pages that we're streaming to belong to Red Voice Media. They have about a million followers alone just on those three Facebook pages. So thanks to Ray Dietrich for helping make that happen and uh, and Red Voice Media. Guys, fantastic show. We've got a uh, interesting main topic that we're going to start off with. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. And, you know, we got Mike on the show, so it should prove interesting. On foxnews.com, FBI received criminal information from over 40 confidential sources on Joe Biden, Hunter, James, Grassley. It just goes on and on. So this is exclusive information that came uh, to Fox on this. It was written by Brooks uh, Singman uh, with Fox News. So just starting off, it says the FBI maintained more than 40 confidential human sources. I don't know why they go out of the way. They say they're human sources. You know, I don't know. Are they relying on AI now, Mike? But uh, yeah, so they got 40 CIs. Uh, on various criminal matters related to the Biden family, including President Joe Biden, dating back to his time as vice president, according to information obtained by Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa. So the confidential human sources, or the, let's just call them CIs, uh, provided criminal information to the FBI relating to Joe Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden. And those CIs were managed by multiple FBI field offices under across the nation, including the FBI Seattle field office. So it's interesting to note that they're not being managed by one caseworker, one agent, or even one field office. So it, it, they're all over the place, right? So not necessarily an issue with that, but I'm just I just pointed that out. Um, when you've worked with a lot of CIs before, just certain things, just you know, you, you pick up on certain things. So Senator Grassley learned that the FBI task force within the Washington field office it sought to, in some cases, success and successfully shut down reporting information from those sources by falsely discrediting the information as foreign disinformation. And that effort caused investigative activity to cease, to stop. Those investigations went nowhere because of that. Now, however, despite those efforts by the FBI task force, Senator Grassley said that in at least one instance, a confidential CI um, and its information had been vetted by multiple U.S. attorney's offices and found that there were no hits to known sources of Russian disinformation. So, so the, the information was was uh, was vetted. In, in other words, it turned out to be credible, even though FBI sources were saying that it wasn't. So the revelations were laid out in, in a letter that Senator Grassley wrote to the Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray late on a Tuesday night. The letter was exclusively obtained by Fox News Digital. So here's some quotes. Uh, Based on the information provided by my office over a period of years by multiple credible C uh, whistleblowers, 
Uh, there appears to be an effort within the Justice Department and the FBI to shut down investigative activity related to the Biden family. That's what Senator Grassley wrote to A.G. Garland and Director Ray. Such decisions point to significant political bias infecting the decision-making of not only the Attorney General and FBI Director, but also line agents and prosecutors. Wow, a heavy slam. He also added, a republic cannot survive such a political infection, and you have an obligation to this country to clear the air. All right, so that's what we have. That said, Mike, has the air been cleared yet? I don't think it's ever going to be cleared. You know, um, just a couple points. Uh, you know, can can 40 people be wrong? I mean, there has to be some truth and some facts uh, there, right? Um, you've got 40 confidential informants. Uh, yes, you're going to wade through the waters there and, and, and be able to determine uh, what is, you know, factual information, what is uh, m- maybe embellished. But you cannot tell me that 40 people somewhere in that uh, there's not some truth and that there's not some facts that would lead to some type of investigation. And so, you know, the the sad thing, Chip, is that um, the American people are the true victims. Uh, The American people are the true victims of a two party system that is broken, Uh, that uh, we have leadership on both sides that cannot put aside their political differences and their hunger for power and their hunger to embellish, uh, to uh, enrich themselves uh, over, um, you know, the the will of the people and to continue to fight for the people. And so we are truly the victims. Um, I, I, I think that at, at this point, uh, nobody's hands are clean, uh, whether it be the Biden administration, the Trump administration, um, you know, those within the, the highest ranks of our government, um, they all know what's going on. And can we just get a shining night, like somebody to just come up and just, you know, represent the people that, that, that can put aside political differences, that understands that regardless if you're Republican or you're Democrat, that you are a representative of the people, even the ones that have not elected you, maybe your adversaries, you still have a duty and an oath to uphold to them. Well, you know, interesting words. I'm looking for that shiny night, by the way, Mike. Um, you know, CIs, um, confidential informants, uh, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe and and like you pointed out over 40, over 40, you know, if, if there was anything wrong with the credibility involving these CIs, they would be hammering that left and right. But you haven't seen that come into play. Have you? I mean, no one's questioning the credibility of these guys and that's the first area they would go to if they could. Well, I mean, you can't tell me that there were confidential informants used, uh, in the investigation and the continuous investigation of President Trump. And listen, I'm not taking sides here, but what I am saying is that it's obvious that there is a, a disconnect and that there is a, a movement to discredit President Trump or former President Trump. Uh, and I'm not saying that his hands are clean either, but um, why is it then when we have 40 confidential informants, all of a sudden the FBI is stating that none of them are credible, that it's all uh, you know foreign or, or Russian collusion or disinformation? Um, you know, we've got to, we've got to start electing men and women that don't, that don't live at the highest, you know, hierarchies of, of, uh, American class, right? We've got to start electing men like you and I, and women like you and I, who can relate to, uh, the American people that still have that drive and that will to want to serve America first, not a party and not enrich themselves and them and their families 
but we have to find those people. And I just don't know if we're going to, I think we're running out of time, quite frankly. And, and you know, for people listening to the show, you're, I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying. And, and you're not talking about electing those people and putting them in, in, in positions without accountability. You're talking just the opposite, holding our people accountable, but the, but holding yeah. the, the right people accountable. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, uh, none of their hands are clean, right? I don't care if it's Trump administration, Biden administration, Obama, how far do you want to go back? Right. At some point, you know, when you are elected to those higher offices, you are going to be involved in something that is probably not above board that floats somewhere in that gray area. And so you can't tell me that in this particular case, that Hunter Biden, who's a complete screw up. I almost almost screwed up right there. A complete <laughs> screw up uh, was qualified to be on the board of Burisma, right? And to receive those particular types of funds that he received, there had to be some type of tit for tat, right? It's, it's common sense. And for anybody to question whether that actually happened is them playing uh, fairy tale games and refusing to see the truth. And that applies to both sides. Well, uh, you know, refreshing what you're having, what you have to say, Mike, you know, from the article, um, they talk about whistleblowers. So I'm led to believe that some of these, quote, CIs that they're referring to, confidential, you know, human sources, um, some of these are the whistleblowers that have a confidential status still as well um, and have a law enforcement credentials um, yeah. is what I'm led to believe by reading that article too. So it's not like, you know, you've got, I mean, look, when I, when I dealt with CIs, look, these guys are typically not always, but typically mm. criminals are the criminal element or yeah. they hang out with the criminal element. Not, not yeah. your, I mean, look, you want them to be, have a good enough resume to make it through yeah. the court proceedings, you know, because they're going to get scrutinized, but you want them to have credibility. So whatever comes out of the mouth, people, the, the yeah. jury, the judge, or whoever's going to believe it. Right. But, but the whole level of, of, of sources that we're talking about here. A lot of these guys are federal employees, agents. Yeah. Um, they work with the bureau, um, you know, the three letter bureau. Uh, you yeah. know, so uh, yeah, these are, these are well, like cream of the crop guys. Yeah. I, I think when you cannot convince me that some of these individuals are not patriots that were residing within the, the, the halls of the FBI. Right. And so to say that, to say that these people's, sources or their information is not credible is essentially saying that the FBI is not credible, right? You cannot tell me that these whistleblowers don't have uh, the best of intentions. And so it, it just stinks and it smells and something's got to change. I, I agree. Well, guys, it's about to get really good. We got some great topics coming up to our uh, listening base. So stick with us. Commercial break. We will be right back. You know, guys, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years with a robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction designed to work with video from any camera source, and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. 
and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com. So, hey, AU Fire, guys, it stands for Accuracy Under Fire, so aufire.com. And now agencies can prepare their Leos for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. AUFire.com is the only option to safely prepare Leos for the instant, intense, random, and distracting immobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. AUFire.com, go there, learn about the product, check out the cool videos. This is something you need to see, AUFire.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, uh, uh, Mike, uh, uh, Major Travis Yates, he told me, I have a good authority. Uh, maybe I shouldn't burn Travis. Maybe I should just say that I have an anonymous, confidential human source, you know, that told me that if I want to get a new intro and outro, and I got producer Jimmy here sitting beside me, all I have to do is come up with three things. I need to have a, a bottle of whiskey, a banjo, and you that the mix of those three, maybe throwing the fourth thing would be a microphone, and that I have been assured that I will get a very unique-sounding intro, outro music that no one else will be able to compete with. What, what do you say? I'm in. Count me in. You've got whiskey, <laughs> you've got a banjo, and you've got Mike Matranga. However, I do have all my teeth. <laughs> well, well, that, <laughs> right? yeah. We, we may so, have to do something about that because, you know, it, it could, it could, it could affect the sound, you know, is what I'm thinking. Maybe the, you know, but maybe the whiskey, I, maybe the slurring of words might make up for that. I don't know. I have a, a natural whistle when I speak. Is that okay? We're, I think we're yeah. there. Producer Jimmy, I think we yeah. can work with that. Yeah, I think we can, we can definitely do something there. But uh, did you say banjo? Yeah, banjo. Yes. Paddle faster. Oh my gosh. Hey, I, all we I, need is a tambourine. Yeah, I think Jimmy saw one one too many episodes of the of Deliverance, you know, with uh, yeah. with Burt Reynolds. You remember that? Oh, what a great oh, yeah. great movie! I had to do a uh, a book in college. I had to do a report on on Deliverance, and um, you know, uh, hey, a lot. You know, I know we're just talking here, but a lot of people don't realize that the guy that wrote uh, the book Deliverance, his name is James Dickey, an American uh, uh, poet and author, and he actually was in the movie Deliverance, and he played the sheriff, if you were not aware of that. Oh, yeah. That's true. And so I had to go to the library, and the best source of information at the time on this was in Playboy. And I had to go to one of the libraries here in Tampa, and I had to go on, like, a microfiche on a monitor, and I tell you, I was trying to keep people from crowding around me while I'm reading this article, you know, because I had to scroll through all the pictures and stuff to get to the article and stuff, but it was a great article that was in Playboy that was written about, you know, James Dickey playing the sheriff and the, and what went behind the movie and, you know, all the people that were in the movie and all this stuff. It was a fantastic article, but yeah, that, I, I bet you didn't know that the sheriff played that, that he played the sheriff in the movie. I did not know that, but uh, have you seen the, uh, the meme that's going around, been going around for years that you remember the kid that was sitting on the, the porch uh, that was kind of blind or whatever. Oh, the, um, the dueling banjo kid. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get so, that? I was going to sleep for like six months. I couldn't get that image out of my head. Gee. So here's the deal. Um, there's, I don't know if it's a joke, but it could be true. They're saying that that's old corn pop Joe Biden himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's what they said. Joe Biden. Oh. Oh. Got his hairy legs and all wow. flowing in the wind. Wow. Wow. Corn Pop was a bad dude. 
That is a new low for this show. I'll tell you, Mike. You, I didn't think that. Well, I think. Do we? Does he get an award for that? Uh, yeah. Jimmy, do we have anything like we could? I don't know. I'm oh, sure I can send him something. He probably. How about, a, like it. how about a? How about an Leo Roundtable shirt? How about that? That'll work. Hey, Extra I think we, large. Might to, we might be able to work that out for you. Actually. Yeah. Hey, seriously, Google that though. I laughed. I laughed about it. <laughs> oh, but that's God, what baby. people were saying. It was pretty funny. All right, all right. I may have to do that, and uh, yeah, and I'll and I will let We've you know. completely gone off the rails now. All right. So look. Uh, so yeah. So where were we at? Oh, that's right. We're doing a law enforcement talk show. Uh, that's nationally syndicated. Hopefully, at the end of the show, we'll still be nationally syndicated uh, on policeone.com. Rising thefts targeting first responders in Seattle is quote cost of doing business unquote, and that's by the fire department. Wow. So you're. I know you guys must be scratching your head. I, I heard this. I'm thinking certainly no one publicly said that. That's with uh, public safety. But, yes, in Seattle. And you got to bear in mind that, you know, I know we're not in California, but the next best thing is, you know, Seattle, Washington. The Seattle Fire Department has started to see equipment theft as a part of the cost of doing business, according to the KOMO. Uh, the thefts uh, can occur when firefighters are out responding to calls. The report referenced the July incident during which thousands of dollars worth of fire equipment was taken from a truck, the fire truck, while the firefighters are inside of a hotel. And so more than a dozen other thefts from the uh, the same, I guess it's the uh, the Seattle Fire Department's joint training facility have also occurred this year. Uh, the facility's extensive security measures, yeah, well, I doubt they're that extensive, but they have not deterred thieves from going after fire equipment. And, you know, what they probably have a uh, what uh, with the yellow tape, you know, uh, police line don't cross. That's probably their extensive security measure. But our crews will find within two or three days. There's our stuff posted on Craigslist or offer up, according to uh, Seattle Fire Department Assistant Chief Chris Lamard. He says they won't even take the labels off of it. It still says Seattle Fire on it. Wow, you guys can't get a grip on that and handle that crap. They are stealing from our ability to help people. Uh, I would say that, you know, your mental capacity is stealing from your ability to help people. This is just ridiculous. Firefighters are now often required to address criminal activity that the police used to handle. That's what the uh, the chief is saying. Wow, Mike, how do you respond to this? I, I would say that um, whoever said that, uh, you know, it's the cost of doing business wasn't far off. Hey, listen, when you have politicians and city leaders uh, that have um, uh, pretty much given in to uh, the radical left and have changed and decriminalized theft and hard drugs, uh, it's going to promote bad behavior. And so what I would say is uh, it's not the cost of doing business. It's it's the cost of your actions. Uh, and so um, let's just uh, take it as it is. It's you want to do stupid things and stupid things happen. So you know, what I would say is uh, you might want to tighten up and rethink some of those decriminalization laws that you pushed out, you know, a couple of years ago when it was the popular thing. And so, you know, the the bad part is, is that the taxpayer is the one that suffers because, yeah. you know, it's taxpayer funded uh, and they're the ones that are that are having to continue to fund that. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, Seattle's a beautiful place. There's some really nice people there, but uh you know, their leadership. Again, it gets down to who are we electing? Do they serve the people? Um, and why are we not doing that? Why are we as citizens not smart enough to understand uh, and, and, and realize that you can pull away from whatever party you associate with and be an independent free thinker? 
You know, I'm not impressed with this fire chief. It makes me really question the gene pool that they're hiring from. I mean, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist. I mean, look, a lot of people listen to our show. Law enforcement is not necessarily in their wheelhouse, but at least they're they're sharp enough to get it. But, I mean, the stuff is showing up on Craigslist, and it's got, you know, the, the fire department label on it, and you don't. It doesn't even pop in your mind. Hey, I'm going to go there and buy uh, buy it from the guy, or, well, or, or and just you know put cuts yeah, but, on the guy. Gee, but but Chip, when there's no consequences, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, guys, our second commercial break. We'll be right back. Well, certainly by now you guys are familiar with the new goals at goals.com/slash/leo. You know we've been talking about goals for a long time on the show. We're huge fans of goals, and you know it's not the same goals anymore. Goals has gotten a lot better. Their inventory, their product line, it, it just, you can't even put it in the catalog anymore. And back when they had catalogs, you could barely fit them in your mailbox. And I'm serious. I mean, these were huge guys that came in the mail, but now they're online. Their customer service is off the chart. They've heavily improved that over the years. So it's skulls.com slash Leo. You know, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement and their a variety of offerings everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear and as our panelist captain brett bartlett always says they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo and like i said their uniform program is second to none even my former agency the tampa police department they have a gulls office uniform office second floor lobby the police department they're absolutely killing it and they got rid of the other two uniform companies so gulls.com slash leo check it out Buy a gift card. Christmas time's coming up, guys. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Um, so, Mike, if you have anything left to say on the last topic, feel free to. But I also want you to talk about M6GlobalDefense.com. Tell people a little bit about what you do and how they can get more information. Thank you. Um, so uh, M6 Global Defense Group is a uh, team of 33 professionals in 16 states. Uh, most of us have a background with the United States Secret Service or some type of special forces, um, law enforcement. And also we have a team of subject matter experts in behavioral health. Um, I even have Susan Payne here in my office today and um, uh, some clinical psychologists. Um, our, our goal is to provide a very holistic uh, uh, security approach to not only schools, that's really our focus because uh, we're passionate about that, but um, we, we can provide uh, full turnkey services um, for, uh, for all of our clients in multiple sectors, nuclear power plants, manufacturing, corporate uh, security, um, you name it, um, but uh, schools, universities, whatnot. Wow. So you guys, that sounds that sound like battle line stuff to me. So uh, so good deal. So M6 Global Defense for our audio listeners on the show as well. So uh, so thanks. Thank Appreciate it, Mike. So, hey, is it time to uh, move on to the uh, next topic that has a video component? Are you ready? Can you handle that? All right. Let's go. All right. I don't see a bottle of whiskey out on your desk yet, but you may need one after, after this video. So uh, look Over for... It's hard to cover a good news story of the day, guys, without there being a video component. So for our radio and podcast listeners, we'll describe in great detail what's going on so you guys don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And look, you know, our show is live Monday through Friday from the during lunch hour, 12 to 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. But we take that live show and we professionally produce it. We embed the videos that we talk about, put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys, and we upload that to our Rumble channel Tuesday through Saturday. That's at 9 o'clock the very next morning. That comes out. 
And uh, then we populate social media with those as well. So it makes for an interesting way to watch the show. So on Police One, there's a video associated with this. NYPD officer is beaten by a knife-wielding uh, men, plural, on us on the subway, and the suspects are in custody. And it was attacked at the 238th Street subway station last night. The suspects took off before eventually being caught. Police say two groups were fighting when the officer stepped in. A box cut. Thank God, because you at the end of this thing, you're wondering, are these guys ever going to get caught? So, yeah, a NYPD lieutenant was repeatedly punched by two men who were brandishing knives on a Bronx subway train. So an MTA conductor spotted two groups of knife-wielding men arguing and fighting on a Bronx-bound number one train. It was 9.45 p.m. in the evening on Saturday. So one of the groups, they actually get off the train, but the other group stays on, and then they're met by police at the 238th Street Station in Kingsbridge. So the lieutenant, he boards the train and order the disorderly crew to get off. But guess what? They refuse. So then in the video, reviewed by the Daily News, the two men repeatedly punched the lieutenant and they stop train It's sitting still as two more end up watching. So the uniformed cop, and he's in uniform, is able to get out of the corner of the train car and onto the platform. And then the guys, the men that were beating him, they take off. He chases after them, and he's got his gun drawn at this point. The attackers escape onto the tracks, and after a brief pursuit, the police actually catch them and get him in the custody. So police arrested Marquise Webb, Brian Innocent. His last name is Innocent. Can you believe he's, he's every, he's, Yeah, he's anything but innocent. They're both 24 years old from Westchester, and they charge him with assault of a police officer, criminal possession of a weapon, among uh, other lesser charges. Uh, Webb and Innocent, that name cracks me up, were in possession of a box cutter, a knife, and a straight razor. And if you look at the pictures they put online of, of the lieutenant, it look, he's all cut up. I mean, I'm wondering how much that came from the razor blade or the knife, box cutter, whatever. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't match the charges, so I, I didn't really see that they charged him with, like, aggravated assault or attempted murder or anything. But the injured lieutenant was treated for cuts and swelling to his face, though. Um, thank God he looks like he's going to be okay. Mike? Well, I think the irony of his last name being innocent is just hysterical. But um, I watched the video, and I did see the, uh, the, um, the you know injuries to the officer, and it's clear uh, if you've ever been around anything like that, it's clear that those cuts were made from a blade, not from a fist. Um, they were too clean and too deep. And so uh, the question I have after watching that video, when the officer appeared to be somewhat uh, restricted and they were beating him yeah. and obviously cutting him with a box cutter or some type of blade, why are those two uh, individuals not taking dirt naps at this point? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, if you look at the continuum use of force, um, he could have used lethal force at that time uh, because that could have absolutely turned the other way. I mean, they could have beaten him to death. They could have cut his jugular vein. Um, I don't understand. I, You know, in one frame, he's walking away after he gets off of the train with his taser in his hand. And I'm thinking to myself, dude. You should have your pistol in your hand. You should have had that pistol in your hand and drawn and firing at those individuals who had you on the ground, contained, beating you and cutting you. And I'm not here to Monday morning quarterback, but I just question what is the precedent that we are setting in the United States where officers don't feel like in a use of force issue where they're being beaten and cut with a with a box blade or a knife that they cannot use lethal force. We're putting these officers in a very bad situation and it's a training block 
and they're afraid to do their job. This is the society in which we're living in. We've got to stop that. We have to support them. And, and, and we're only pointing this out because we want we want our cops, we want our, our comrades to, we want them to survive. We don't want to see them get injured. Now, the only thing I can think, Mike, and, and, and you know, sometimes when you're in a fight, you, you don't necessarily know what the, know that there's a weapon or, yeah. or what the weapon is. And I'm thinking and almost kind of hoping that, that maybe that's what happened. Um, yeah. These were small weapons. So I'm, 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 I remember, you know, one time I, I got my, my, my clock cleaned with a, with a, uh, a chain wrapped around uh, the, the fist of the guy. He was, he was a, I, I didn't even know he was a semi-pro boxer at the time, but I, you know, I wake up, I'm in the hospital and I got this guy next to me cause he went to the hospital too. But it wasn't me that put him there. It was it was one of my uh, one of my fellow officers that hit him with a flashlight. And of course, that officer ended up in the hospital too. So all three of us are there, laying side by side next to each other. But sometimes you just don't know what that weapon is until after the fact. Yeah. So, but but I you know I, I just don't know. But yeah, we want our guy. Yeah. We know that there is some hesitancy to use lethal force, um, even in that situation. If they even if they knew what the weapon was, that there are guys out there, active law enforcement that yeah. would be reluctant. They would go the taser in a deadly force situation, which just is, just blows my mind. Well, I, I, I agree with you because if, if you've never been in a situation like that, uh, your body does some very weird things, right? Which is why I've always been an outspoken uh, advocate against arming teachers throughout the United States. Um, in some places it may work and in some places you may have to do that due to response time in some rural areas, especially out in West Texas. But I always laugh when I, when I go to these conferences and I talk to these individuals and they say, and they've got it all planned out in their head, right? But they've never been in a fight. They've never been punched in the face. Um, and what I will tell you is we are not doing these individuals uh, any good if, if we're planning on putting weapons in the hands of people who are not qualified, who are not trained, what I would say warriors who don't, don't have a basic understanding of how things happen in the event of a crisis situation when you're getting your tail whipped. Yeah. And so I, I'm with you. Maybe he just couldn't, you know, at the heat of the moment, he didn't know what was going on. You know, he didn't realize he was being cut. So I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, we pray for his safety and we hope he heals up well. Yeah, excellent. Great attitude. You're right. So, guys, moving along. Yeah, I know we've got we've got another one here. So I, he, you know, I'm obviously not doing my job good enough because because Mike still does not have the bottle of whiskey on his desk. So let's go th let's go to our next one on um, Police One. Now, look, our, our favorite law enforcement video channel is uh, is is this is butter. That's at Rumble.com. So just these ones I'm covering, they were uh, they were news stories. Um, so they're associated with news videos that police want to grab. So that's why you're you're hearing these on Police One instead of me um, getting to the videos that are that are on. Um, you know, this is better, but you're coming up if we have time. So video captures a bystander pulling a wounded Texas police officer to safety after a su suspect open fires. This man is being praised for his heroics after helping drag this police officer to safety during a shootout on the highway. Houston police say they were pursuing a stolen car when the suspect crashed into several vehicles, got out, and started shooting. John Lolly says he was nearby when he saw one officer get shot, so he ran towards the gunfire to help him. Just kind of ran over there and I grabbed that guy with the other police officer and me and him together, we grabbed him by his vest and we dragged him behind the truck. Wow, you're talking about a, 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 a horrific video and, and, and this civilian, this good Samaritan has got some stones. Um, so we got the subtitle 
is Officer Jay Gibson was shot in the leg by a suspected carjacker. The Good Samaritan saw the officer needed help, pulls him to safety, pulls him to safety in the middle of the shootout. I mean, they're taken on fire. It's crazy. So this is in Houston, Texas. Video captured during an officer-involved shooting in Houston shows a Good Samaritan pulling a wounded police officer to safety, according to the KHOU. Now, John Lally said that he saw the shooting unfold while he's on his way to work. He pulls out his phone. He starts recording uh, the, a video in case his job didn't believe him, right? So he says, I saw that one cop got shot, and I've been shot before in the same leg, and it made me know what he was going through. This is what Lally's telling the, the news media, KHOU. He goes on to say, I just seen somebody needed help, and I ran over there. The shooting occurred after suspected carjacker opened fire at the officers, and officers returned fire, and they killed the suspect. So at least we have some street justice there. Uh, guys, we're going to break this down in a second. Stick with us. It'll be our last commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunler.com, however, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level, become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our Captain Brett Bartlett, our panelist. So they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major physical organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all factions of law enforcement. Now, you can start the day with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. So, hey, guys, now it's time to talk about Blew the gold. So struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures. And what about the liability of getting it wrong? Say hello to bluetogold.com. They translate search and seizure doctrines into clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give the training for free thanks to bluetogold.com's free weekly webinars. Now, next week, it's Terry Stops and Pat Downs. So sign up at bluetogold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. We just finished the uh, story uh, talking about a good Samaritan in the heat of battle. Bullets flying, he's dragging a cop by his, uh, by his belt out of the way. I think him and another cop are actually dragging this guy backwards. So, uh, um, wow, wow, just one incredible. Hey, you know, God bless these good Samaritans. And this guy, I suspect, had some military experience, Mike, and because he said that he'd been shot in the same leg before and knew what it knew what the cop was experiencing cop was obviously in some pain uh but uh but hey uh your your commentary on this mike what do you think actually i don't think he had any military experience if you uh so i'm that happened about four or five miles from where i'm sitting right now i'm, I'm in houston and uh what i'll tell you is that that is um that is the perfect example of reformation right um and the reason why I say that, and the reason why I say that I don't think he had any military experience is because he has, he stated, yeah, the bad guy, he said that he uh, had been thrown in jail a million times, right? I so that, yeah. I think that he had been shot in ah. some nefarious activity or criminal activity. And so, um, you know, what I'm getting at is it's amazing, right? Um, you know, listen, I'm going to brag about Texas. That's Texas, man. This is who we are as people. I grew up here. Um, it, you know, 
I always tell my kids, don't don't burn bridges because, you know, one day you may need that person who you don't like. Right. Or maybe it's somebody that you had to arrest. Right. Um, and so what I say is, is that I commend this individual for stepping up, for doing what a lot of people would not do. Uh, and it, it just proves that, you know, uh, reformation works, right? And second chances. I mean, this guy's been in and out of jail, in and out of prison. He sees a police officer get shot. He does the right thing. And if the rest of our society um, lived like that, we would be so much better, man. You know, really, there's not much that uh, that separates us. Um, we're, we're divided by politics and we're divided by things that are just completely irrelevant. And so, I commend this guy. I hope that the mayor and the chief, uh, you know, recognize him in some type of formal way. Uh, and so, you know, kudos to him. Um, and uh, we pray for the the, the um, quick healing of that officer and the quick actions of um, of the officers who responded. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the it's a true true uh, example of what society needs to be. Yeah, I, I'm. Hey, right on, right on. I mean, you're, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you, baby. So um, on police one, we got Oregon cities, police chiefs and sheriffs are seeking to recriminalize hard mm -hmm. drug possession. Now, why in the world would that be, Mike, huh? So we're in Salem, Oregon. Uh, so the League of Oregon Cities has joined the Oregon State Sheriff's Association, the Oregon Association of Chiefs of Police, and the Oregon District Attorney's Association, and they're calling to repeal a ballot measure decriminalizing hard drug possession, according to the OPB. So ballot measure 110, so remember that name, ballot measure 110, which was passed back in 2020, it legalized personal possession of small amounts of hard drugs. Normally, automatic felonies, right? I mean, here in Florida, any amount of cocaine, even a, even a, even a, a speck, automatic felony. But rather than charging people with a crime when found to be in possession of drugs there, police are supposed to give them citations, connect them with recovery resources, yada, yada. The court president said since the measure's passing also makes putting drug dealers in jail a little bit more difficult, which makes perfect sense. So for decades, law enforcement could win convictions for delivery if a person was merely caught with an incriminating amount of drugs. Uh, possession with the intent to distribute, right? So in 2021, a lower court ruling that the Oregon Supreme Court upheld last month, it held that in order to get a drug dealing conviction, police and prosecutors have to prove that the suspect actually attempted to complete a sale. Oregon City Sheriff's Chiefs of Police and DA's District Attorneys, they've signed a letter to state lawmakers calling them to recriminalize hard drug possession when they convene starting in February, according to the report. So here's a quote saying that, hey, as your partners in public safety, we believe the ballot measure 110, it failed to recognize that drug addiction is both a public health and public safety crisis, and it requires solutions on both sides of the ledger. And that's what the letter came by OPB reads. Wow, who would have thought of that, right? The letter lists 11 proposals designed to address Oregon's severe addiction crisis, the alarming rise of fentanyl overdose-related deaths, which are having detrimental effects on the community's safety and the quality of life across their state. Yeah, don't say. The proposals would make drug possession a Class A misdemeanor with the opportunity, still not a felony, with the opportunity to have a, a charge dismissed if the suspect completes the required treatment. It introduces the idea of up to a 72-hour wellness hold, whatever that is, requiring the suspect to stay in a medical facility. Wow. So that's that's what we have. You know what? They, they recognize that there's an issue, but they still aren't willing to go with the correct answer, Mike. I don't know. What are your feelings on this? Again, it's, you know, um, 
good idea fairy came in in 2020 and just kind of sprinkled good idea fairy dust all over that Pacific Northwest. And they, they changed these, these rules and these laws that would hold people accountable. It's like they thought, okay, hey, we're going to create a new civilized society where we're not going to hold people accountable. Um, you have to have accountability, right? Um, if not, you have what you're now seeing where they're wanting to retract and go back and change the law because it has had a negative or adverse impact on their communities. And so, listen, it doesn't take a rocket science to tell you that hard drugs create addictions, right? We know this. And so for us to say that, you know, you can have some for personal consumption is going to be uh, okay, or it's not going to lead to further addiction. And then the economic impact of a father, a, a home that's now fatherless because the father is now homeless because he has become addicted to crack cocaine or methamphetamines. The economic impact of that uh, is is det truly detrimental. And so, you know, if people would just stop with the nonsense, and this goes for both sides, right? Um, you know, the left is doing crazy things like this. The right is saying that they want people to live free or die, right? Um, but what they want to do is they want to legislate people's bodies, okay? They want to do, um, you know, things that are uh, in line with their religious or, or biblical principles. And, and equally, both are wrong, right? We've got to have a, a platform and a pathway to a society in which, yes, we're giving the liberties that, that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights gives us uh, without the overpowering or, or overarching reach of government on both sides of not having accountability or then imposing your will upon people. So there's got to be a good balance, right? And so I'm not surprised at all, my man. Well, look, lastly, I think we got enough time. I'll get this through quick. Lawofficer.com, LAPD officer who accused ex-mayor Garcetti's top eight of sexual harassment oh. actually gets a payout, $1.8 yeah. million settlement, just under $2 million. So it makes you, you know, you know, I don't know how much you have to question what was there or not, but it, so we're in L.A. Officer with the Los Angeles Police Department, um, so he's, it says he's still active, who accused ex-mayor Eric Garcetti's top eight of sexual harassment He's going to get a settlement of $1.8 million, which was just approved by the city officials. So the L.A. City Council, they voted unanimously now, 13 to 0, to settle the 2020 lawsuit by Officer Matthew Garza. He was assigned as a member of Garcetti's protective detail, uh, which is in your neck of the woods. Uh, this is according mm -hmm. to the Daily Wire. Officer Garza accused Rick Jacobs of inappropriately touching and sexually harassing him over a period of several years. Additionally, at least two other uh, male city employees who work for the mayor also accused Jacobs of, Jacobs of groping them when he gave unwanted hugs, touches while making sexual comments. And another city staff member told the uh, Los Angeles Times that Jacobs' harassing behavior was uh, something everyone was talking about in the mayor's office. Attorney Greg Smith, Garza's attorney, told the Times that his client was defamed by the city. The city attempted to vilify Officer Garza when he spoke truth to power, according to the attorney. However, he's thankful that city leaders finally yielded and awarded him a settlement. 33 seconds, Mike. All I'll say is that happens every day, all day in most parts of government. And the follow-up would be is keep your damn hands and your inappropriate words to yourself. Wow. You won't have these problems. That's how that is. $1.8 million. Wow. That's a little bit of a pucker factor there, huh? Good.
Hey, yeah. good for him. You know, I mean, nobody likes that. You know, hey, keep your damn hands active. and your words to yourself. He's still active. So that's the ex-mayor. And of course, I don't. I, I suspect he's probably not on the current mayor's uh, presidential or or, or or detail mayor mayoral right. detail. But uh, but interesting stuff. So um, yeah. I know we're out of time on this, but uh, but uh, Mike and I know Mike, you had somewhere you had to be, and you're kind of hanging out just yeah. to be able to do the show. I I so appreciate it, and yeah. and your fan base that you're voting on the show appreciates it too. So thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, also want to uh, to mention. You know, in addition to uh, m6globaldefense.com, guys, check out the website and more information about Mike. Uh, you know, the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org is Lieutenant Randy Sutton's 501c3, helping cops out in the world of hurt that are suffering from things like PTSD and other issues their department or agency's not helping them out with, or maybe they're not even being offered a disability retirement out. So the Wounded Blue at the WoundedBlue.org. A shout out to our sponsors one more time, MotionDSP, AUFire.com, GallsGunLearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, MyMedicare.Live. And Bang and Monster Energy, thanks for the fuel. Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFB.com. Thanks for carrying our content. Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia.com. Thanks for carrying our content. Hope everybody has a wonderful, safe rest of your day. We'll see you guys tomorrow during lunch hour, 12 Eastern time. <laughs>